Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and it's just me tonight. I'm riding solo, but I'm not really riding solo because I have all of you on the other end of that camera watching on YouTube. Folks, if you haven't gotten on YouTube yet, this has been a prolific week. From last Monday through the episode we published yesterday for Locked on Seminoles, we are growing exponentially. And I couldn't appreciate all of you listening to us more. Thank you on YouTube. Now, if you're one of the OGs, you're on the podcast or you're here for the first time, thank you just as much. Y'all built this. Y'all are the reason we do this or the reason we get to. We do this because we like to, but we get to do it because y'all tune in every single day. So make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Hit the bell to get notifications. Make sure you guys are following us on your favorite podcast app. And most importantly, make sure you're ready for Saturday because like Mike Norvell said in his press conference today, this is the game you come to Florida State for. It is officially UF Hate Week. So we're going to talk about the mess down in Hogtown. I got one more little tidbit that I need to get out before I put the Boston College game to bed. And I've got one more little point of personal privilege. Like I said, it's been a prolific week on YouTube. Seriously, the listens are awesome. I love that y'all are loving it. We're going to keep bringing it to you. But for those of you that are new, which there's over a thousand of you first time YouTube watchers, this back here is not the normal setup. I'm not a dude just in his bedroom. All right. I have, well, I had an office, um, but we are closing on a new house. We close Monday. By the way, if you're a Nolcast listener, shout out to Shannon Young, uh, 844-FSU Loans. Not one of our sponsors, but he got me a great rate on my mortgage. Make sure you check out Shannon if you guys need a new house. Um, seriously, he was uh, incredible through this whole closing process. Point being, give me like another week. I'm going to be back in the command center, back in my office. I'm currently in the parent, parents' guest bedroom right now um, while I wait to close on my house. So that's what's going on with me. And in just a second, we're going to talk about what's going on with the Knowles. <laughs> Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, folks, welcome again. I'm your host, Max, flying solo today. If you don't know me, that's all right. Just a guy being a dude. We have episodes five days a week to give you all kind of the fan perspective um, with a little bit of analysis sprinkled in there, helping make you a little smarter about Florida State football each and every day, five days a week, Monday through Friday. I mean, really now it's six. We do a gambling episode Saturday. You get some instant reactions. There's there's all kinds of flavors of Locked On Seminoles out there, folks. But let's talk about what we came here to talk about. We have done some analysis. And when I say we, I mean the royal we, the, the Florida State fan base and I think more specifically, I mean, Irish Chauffel over at warchant.com. You know, I'm not one of those journalists, right, that's going to try to steal credit for stuff. I'm a smart dude to some degree, but there's only so many hours in the day. Someone else does a great job on something. Hey, I'm going to use it, but I'm going to shout about Irish Chauffel, warchant.com. He looked into the officiating crew from this weekend. Actually, he may have been retweeting someone named Jeremy Back. So at jbackattack on Twitter finds out that the crew that officiated our game on Saturday has officiated a game every week, but he wasn't able to find one for 10-16. And they average, they average 
5.4 flags thrown per team per game that officiating crew does. Let me give you that number one more time. The officiating crew that officiated the Florida State game on Saturday averages 5.4 flags thrown per team per game in every other game they officiate when Florida State is not playing. They have officiated two Florida State games and they have thrown how many? Oh my, that can't be right. Yeah, they've thrown 24 flags just on Florida State in those two games. I had to double check because I thought maybe I was seeing, no. Their average is five flags per game, 5.4 flags per game per team. They are more than doubling that when this crew officiates a Florida State game. Not going to throw the guy's name out there because it'll sound like I'm doxing him or whatever. You can find it on Twitter. Guy apparently is a State Farm agent. I'm just saying, maybe next time, do the jingle. See if he, you know, will be there like a good neighbor. I don't know. Also from South Carolina, is it a conspiracy? Look, probably not. Although, these are really suspicious numbers. Um, I don't know. Look, I guys, watch yesterday's episode. Watch my instant reaction. If this is your first time hearing me, I have no problem blasting refs because I think that what the ACC puts on the field from an officiating standpoint is a crime against football. It is. Year in and year out, they just suck. They're really, really bad at it. But I also know we got other stuff to talk about. So we're going we're gonna to keep this thing rolling, huh? So guys, Dan Mullen is out. Dopey Dan and the girls are no longer performing down in Gainesville, Florida. Kind of disappointing because I really like the nickname Dopey Dan and the girls. I've I thought it was great. Uh, I don't come up with a ton of stuff on my own sometimes. So anyway, and now we're starting to hear smoke that Billy Napier is interested. The other names on the list are Lane Kiffin and Bob Stoops. It's not going to happen. Bob Stoops is not leaving retirement, being rich as all sin in Dallas, Texas to go coach in Gainesville, Florida. I'm sorry. I You can't convince me of that. He could be on the sidelines doing it. And I probably still wouldn't believe it's him. I think it was some kind of animatronic you know, AI type deal. Billy Napier makes a lot of sense though. If you don't know who that is, totally fine. He is currently the coach of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And he's he's pretty Mike Norvell-esque. I mean, he's more Southern probably than Norvell, but I mean in the sense that, you know, he's kind of worked his way up. He was a wide receivers coach at Bama for, I want to say three years from like maybe maybe 13 to 16, somewhere in there. And then he went to be, I think, the OC at Arizona State. I am not sure if he overlapped with Norvell and Dillingham at all. Probably should have looked into that. Sorry. And then he went to uh, be the Louisiana Raging Cajun head coach. And before he got there, in the three years before he got there, they combined for like 16 wins. Over the past three years, they have 31. And their season's not over this year. So that's kind of scary. Um you know, I worry about Billy Napier. Lane Kiffin, I worry about, but sorry, gotta stay hydrated. When it's just me, I don't get the breaks, right, of the other guys chiming in. So I gotta take a little water break. I, you know, I worry about a Lane Kiffin because I think he's such a prolific offensive mind. But Lane Kiffin has not proven to me that he can build a program yet. He's proven to be a great coach, but can he? Can he get a program firing on all cylinders? Can he get the recruiting to where like guys leave and then he reloads? You know, I need to see that he can make 
Luke Altmyer make up for the loss of Matt Corral when that happens before I'll be like, oh yeah, Lane Kiffin is this phenomenal coach and I'm scared of Florida getting him. Billy Napier is a damn good program builder. Again, he didn't just have a flash in the pan at Louisiana Lafayette. He's now done it, not one, not two, but three years in a row through the COVID year, through all that. He's got the Alabama pedigree for multiple seasons under Nick Saban. And yeah, he's just he's just not a guy that I would be excited about going to Florida. So keep an eye on that. We will We will keep following that story. But I think we need to talk about our team and what we're looking ahead to. Before I do that, though, Got to tell you guys about our friends over at NetSuites. NetSuites is a full business solution. Uh, If you don't, look, if you're not working with the right data, it's like putting with your eyes closed to win a tournament. You just shouldn't do it, guys. Be smarter than that. Come on. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite's offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked on. NCAA. So head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. And when you're done taking care of your business, take care of yourself. Go play some daily fantasy with prize picks. It offers more college football props than anyone in the world. It offers all the star players of the Power Five, as well as the mid-majors. And hey, maybe some you haven't even heard of, but after some research, you realize there's a really good line on them that you can hop on. PricePix offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns and even interceptions thrown. So you can draft your team of guys, you get their props right, you put 20 bucks in, and if you get three of five on your team's prop right, you make some money. You get four or five right, you make a little more money. And if you get five of five right, Well, drinks are on you that night, buddy, because you are going to have a phenomenal return on your entry. So guys, download prize picks from the App Store, the Google Play Store, and use promo code LOCKEDON. Let's go to the prize picks app, P-R-I-Z-E-P-I-C-K-S, and use promo code LOCKEDON, and they will match your first deposit up to $100, 100%. So you put in $100, they'll give you $100, and you can start playing for free. And you can make money off of someone else's money, which like you don't need a finance degree to know. That's the best way to make money. All right. So I, I guess we should kind of start looking ahead to Florida, right? It's it's Tuesday and we've got Florida on Saturday. I, I am intending to publish shows for the entire week, but I'm now realizing it's Thanksgiving week and y'all have stuff to do. I've got stuff to do. Drake and Dave got stuff to do. Holly's got stuff to do. Stacy's got stuff to do. And uh, yeah, so look, if an episode doesn't come flying out Thursday, I apologize, but we'll do our best here. So I'm going to go ahead and start looking at this game kind of early. And I think what is going to be most interesting about this game is how does this team play? And I think there's two ways to look at it, right? One, you have teams that maybe rally in spite of their head coach leaving, right? I think back to 2017, that team going out there and just beating the heck out of the Gators. I mean, they they it was ugly, right? Wasn't it? I think it got ugly. And then they go to the bowl game and Deion Sanders is on the sidelines. We're, you know, we're just dominating down there in uh, 
wherever the heck it was, Shreveport, Louisiana. And yeah, that happened. But then you have the other way. You have the people that they take on the characteristics of a team whose coach just got canned. And I think that is probably the Florida team you're getting. Um, I could be nice about this, but I'd rather just be direct with y'all because I appreciate you being here. I don't think Dan Mullen's a good coach. I think he's good at calling plays and designing an offense, but I don't think in any other aspect of it, he's a good coach. As I guess I guess he's a good coach, but he's a bad program builder. He doesn't instill a good culture. He's a weirdo. I mean, we talk about we've talked about this all year. He's just a strange guy. I mean, he's, he's just freaking weird. It's like there's no other way to explain it. I know I've used the same adjective six times, and I apologize, but th- that's all you need to know. I, I don't see this team being like, oh man, we gotta we gotta win one for the Gipper here, even though the Gipper got fired, and you know this will get us to a bowl game. I don't think that's what he's built. In fact, I don't think Mullen's built much of anything. I think Dan Mullen basically took someone else's recruiting, right, with Pitts and Trask and a pretty decent couple of defenses, and he used alchemy to turn that lead that the other person, McElwain, didn't really know what to do with into gold. Good play caller. Can design an offense. And when he had Kyle Trask and he had Kyle Pitts, what is was Pitts one of the highest, if not the highest drafted tight end of all time? He looked pretty darn good. And when he was the one that had to rely on making his own decisions, personnel-wise, it wasn't just handed to him of, hey, no, duh, this is who you should start. He completely fell apart down the stretch. Um, yeah, I... So anyway, the point I'm getting is I don't think he built the underlying foundation that you need on a team for them to have some aha moment of, no, now we're going to go beat Florida State. I'm not going to sound arrogant and say, hey, we're going to win this game by 30 points because I don't think that's going to happen either. Like Mike Norvell said in his press conference today, this is the game you get up for at these schools. I do think Florida is going to be ready to play, but I don't think missing coordinators and missing a head coach with a running back coach as your interim head coach trying to design an offense, they're going to have any kind of meaningful game plan. And I can't think of a worse team to not have a full staff in place against than Mike Norvell. I genuinely mean that. You look at the game plan from this last weekend and you look at what Mike and Kenny Dillingham do with this offense, the way they give you weird looks, right? Again, I said it in my instant reaction, go check it out. They do that double pull counter look and they can do four things off of it. We've seen them hand the ball off. Jayshon Corbin scored a touchdown on it against Notre Dame. Then Trayshawn Ward broke that like 22-yard run against Notre Dame. That, you know, they have the, the guard and the tackle pull over, and you basically end up with four linemen on one side. Then they start running this weird quick pitch out of it. That starts to work. So what do they do on Saturday against Boston College? Well, same thing. The two, you know, you got your five linemen, the two linemen both pull over. You're expecting run. Jordan Travis puts it in the read. It looks like it's going to be that same run. The linebackers trigger and bloop, pops over the top, right, right down the seam for 20 yards. But that's not all, folks. There's more. We got the freaking, what's his name? Uh, Anthony Sullivan and Billy Mays of coaching duos over there. There's always another feature. So three plays later, they run that same thing. The two linemen, left side to right side. And Jordan Travis hands it to Treshawn Ward, who just takes off on a naked dive or a naked off tackle 
when the tackle's not even there because the entire defense, it's like it's a curtain in a windstorm. The entire defense is moving right. One linebacker's maybe watching the pass, just hands it to Trayshawn. Boom, 16 yards up the left side because no one's expecting him to go that way. The point I'm making is an offense that has a coaching staff that has that kind of ingenuity and that kind of creativity and gives you that much eye candy and that much, wait, shoot, I saw this on film six times, but now they're doing kind of the same thing, but something totally different is not who you want to play when you don't have a good coaching staff in place and definitely not who you want to play when you have effectively no coaching staff in place. So the line opened at minus 10, the Gators were 10 point favorite. That changed pretty quickly. Now it's down to, I think they're a two-point favorite, which is effectively the home field advantage that Vegas bakes in. So they're basically saying it's a pick em. Now, guys, I think, you know, I'm I'm retired from this racket, right? I'm not the, the big-time gambler. But if you are, there's one place you should be placing your bets. And that's at betonline.ag. They've got a wide array of props. I'm sure they'll have some alternate lines. I'm sure they'll have some props and some stuff you can do. And look, I love my family. I'm really excited to spend some time with them. But maybe, you know, for you, putting some action on some games throughout the holiday break uh, makes being with your family a little more exciting. So if it does, go to betonline.ag. Use promo code Locked On when you make your account, and they will give you a welcome bonus on your first deposit, just like with prize picks. Free money when you use promo code Locked On at betonline.ag. All right, guys. Last thing I'm going to talk about Um I finally saw a projection that gets us in a bowl game. And we've kind of been talking about it, but y'all know we are very excited by the potential of making a bowl game because it feels like we will have accomplished something. I think it's such an arbitrary criteria, right? Like you're an adult when you're 18 and not when you're 17 and eight months. You get to a bowl game at six wins, not at five. But I think it's the fact that it will be an achievement that we didn't think this team was capable of And that achieving six wins over five, there will be something tangible, right? There will be an extra game. More importantly, you get 15 extra practices when you make a bowl game. This team could use 15 practices. And we've seen, in fact, that this team gets a lot better when they practice. Gosh, that was such a John Madden line. Um, Y'all get what I mean, though, right? Like, this isn't a team that has just started week one and then gotten marginally better. I mean, they have gotten measurably better, substantially better week to week to week to week. And, you know, it's called the 1% better every day. I don't know what you want to call it, but they are a much better team than the team that lost to Jacksonville State. I, What do you guys think? I don't know. If you're on YouTube, tell me in the comments, what does this current team beat the team that played Jacksonville State by? 14? 21? If they really get going and the refs you know, aren't holding them back. I mean, I, I think it's it's literally night and day. You have a defense that after four weeks, I was full-blown ready to fire Adam Fuller. And now I, I'm like, dude, if he keeps improving the team like this, we're going to have a top 10 defense next year. If we can get our linebacking core straightened out, you know, we got to bring in some talent there. We're going to have to make some replacements on the on the defensive line. But they clearly are being coached well now and they understand what they're doing. And that defense, you know, it's gone from – it's gone from like, if I need the defense to make a stop, I'm already leaving the game or I'm already like turning off the TV because I know they're not going to make it to when I saw, okay, BC has the ball and it's short time and our defense needs to make a stop. 
I fully trusted those guys. And I was like, oh, we got this. I know this defense isn't letting Boston College in this end zone one more time. And I know they're not going to let the refs hand Boston College this game. And that, again, night and day difference from where we were a, a mere seven weeks ago. And that's pretty incredible to see. So I, I'm really, really excited by the prospect of 15 more practices. But again, more so, I, I'm excited by the optics of this, right? So you've got the Florida, the Florida recruiting class just total collapse, utter collapse at the announcement of Dan Mullen being fired. And it it didn't help that it wasn't like a shock, right? Like it was a, it was a double move kind of explosion, like a whoop, bloop. What's that noise? Sorry, guys. But they, they kick both coordinators. So you think, okay, Mullen's going to stay. He'll keep the class together. And all of a sudden, Mullen's gone. Miami's recruiting class, I don't even know if they're ranked anymore. Like, I don't I don't know if the ranking services bother giving you a ranking if you have, like, three commits. Um, that, if they all got together in person, that would be the world's smallest national signing day party. Um, you know, Miami is basically like how my dog acts during dinner time, just waiting for, like, I guess the crumbs of Nash, early national signing day to fall so they can have a meal on regular signing day. I I don't know what the hell Manny Diaz's plan is. I I think he's just enjoying being a millionaire and grateful every day he wakes up without four missed calls from the new AD telling him he's been fired. And then we have the opportunity to say, hey, we just won five of our last seven. Or I guess if we beat Florida, what it'll be? Six of our last eight. And we're going bowling. We win that. It's like, all right, guys, we just won seven of our last nine. We turned an 0-4 start into a seven-win team. And Mike Norvell, if he lands some of these guys that are on the board, if he um, lands Tyree, if he goes out there and he grabs, uh, who's it, Marvin Jones Jr., if he goes out there and grabs the guy who just, oh gosh, sorry, guys, I'm so bad with recruits' names. I'm sorry. Uh, we just had Julian Armella, Armella, Julian Armella drop us in his top four. He's a four-star offensive lineman. There's We're already a top 15 class and there's like, three to five pieces that could come together in this class. You throw some transfers in there. Guys, that's not fake momentum. Like that is a team I'm going to be really damn excited to cover headed into next year. I'm not saying we're going to win a national championship. I don't want to bring this down because I'm having so much fun being uplifted, but you are in a rebuild. Okay. This year, if if we beat Florida and we could say, hey, we were state champs, we beat Miami, and we beat Florida, and we bring in like a top 12-ish, top 10 class, that's further ahead than you thought you were going to be at the end of this season. Now, you thought you'd be in that 6-7 win range, you thought it looked a little different, but you almost beat Clemson this year too. So we're definitely like further ahead than we thought we'd be, but that doesn't mean next year is going to be, again, a playoff year, a 15. 15, a 12, 13 win kind of season. I still think next year you keep your expectations around seven or eight wins. But if you can do that, right, if you can be two and zero against your rivals this year. And then next year, ideally go two and zero against them. But let's say go two and one against Miami, Florida and Clemson. And you're starting to look like, OK, you're going to challenge for the ACC Atlantic. Bring in another good class, the class of 22 now we're talking about going into 24. The class of 22, what's next year? 22? We're talking about going into 23. I apologize. So going into 2023, you now have the rising sophomores 
are from a really good class. The true freshmen are from a really good class. And you've got some seniors on your team that are the guys that are young right now. I believe that'd be like Akeem Dent. Um, you'd have Amarian Cooper. Uh, you'd have Malik McLean. I don't think in 2023 you'd have Trayshawn, but you might. So don't quote me on that. Your offensive line is, again, older, more mature, stronger. Um, that could be a really exciting season. So, again, next year, probably not competing for a championship. But I think we're laying the foundation to make 23 and definitely 2024 a really, really exciting year if we keep up this momentum. Now, how am I going to feel on Sunday? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, if you ask me my score prediction right now, it's uh, the the pessimist in me. I've been here too many times, been hurt too many times. But the fan in me says like Knowles by 100, right? Like we're going to go down to Gainesville. They don't have a coach. We're going to put our foot on their neck and we're going to step up. And we're going to step on the bus and we are going to ride off into the sunset and go bowling and all the stars are going to align for us. Is that exactly what's going to happen? I don't know. Is it what I'm going to let all of us fantasize about for the rest of the day? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. Nulls by 100 this weekend. The rest of the state's in chaos. And I couldn't be happier. I hope you all have a great Tuesday. Thank you so much for stopping by. Seriously, we love having you all. We hope to see you tomorrow. If you're on the pod, make sure you check out YouTube. If you're on YouTube... Check out the podcast, you know, try a different platform every now and then. But whatever you decide, I'll be here for you. I'm your host, Max, and this was Locked On Seminoles. 